Hey everybody, welcome to Applying to Everything, a show about our passions, the world, and where they overlap. I'm your host, Bruno Falcon. This week, I once again sit down with film critic Roxana Haddadi to talk about who the Force belongs to, Mark Hamill's brooding game, and Star Wars, The Last Jedi. There are spoilers all the way through this episode, so if you haven't seen the film, stop listening now. Seriously, there's a spoiler in minute one and then constantly throughout the rest of the show. You have been warned. Enjoy. <laughs> yes it's the kind of thing where i feel like each day lasts forever and then yet somehow the year has passed by really quickly like it simultaneously feels like it's very long and very short mm-hmm. because everything's horrible all the time yeah so yeah but in the world of things that weren't horrible um, Ooh, good segue yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact in the world of things where this movie was so very relevant and um super relevant yeah i'm throwing up just as a heads up i'm gonna throw up a spoilers warning at the very very beginning so okay, this is a okay. spoiler zone um cool. just because jumping to the end <laughs> the last eight lines of the movie were about as on the nose as you can get right yeah, I it's one of those things where I feel like they I don't want to say they were like running off a checklist, but I definitely feel like there was a lot in this movie to specifically make conservative fanboys really butthurt. Like, <laughs> like most of the heroes are women. Mm-hmm. There's a storyline about like animal cruelty. There's yes. whole commentary on like the military industrial complex. Like, I don't know. I was thinking about it. I was like, I don't know what else they could have done, but they had everything. And I loved all of it. Like may- maybe if they had something about global warming in there, but otherwise it was all, <laughs> It was all pretty on the nose, but done very intentionally, which I appreciate. It didn't feel like out of place. It just felt like, of course, this is what Star Wars would be about. Like, of course, these things would be intertwined with each other. Especially in especially in a world post Leia, post yeah. Empire. Like, yes. Leia has come in and made major changes in the Republic Senate and is a major yes. influence. And so her philosophy obviously carries through. Yes. It's interesting because so much of the comedy has that kind of Carrie Fisher feel. Mm-hmm. So like the even the narrative beats ha- like feel like Leia was telling the story as much as anyone else, mm-hmm. which I thought was very cool. I think they did a very good job outlining what her leadership style is mm-hmm. and how it's simultaneously like very no nonsense, but also focused on maintaining lives. And yeah. I liked how often that was hammered home. Like Poe Dameron can be like a badass and that's awesome. But yeah, like a bunch of people died whenever he had his plans. So mm-hmm. I like the idea of the duality of the hero and what is it that actually makes you a leader in a way that isn't just like, what do they, what do they call him? Like a goofy flyboy or like a self-involved yes. flyboy. Yeah. Something that made me laugh. I think at some point um, it's trigger happy flyboy. 
Yeah, I think so. I think that's what Laura Dern calls him, maybe. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I liked very much how they flipped him being like, well, I mean, it can't. I mean, that can't be who that is and just how discrediting he was of her until the very end where it's like, nah, dude, like she's going to be a martyr for this cause. Like she's willing to sacrifice everything for this. Yeah, so much, so much about this movie. So much, but so much. Did, but did she, though? <laughs> see, this is my thing because mm-hmm. you kind of see like the jump goes through. Like, right. there isn't an explosion at the end of the Lightspeed Trail. So like, you're, like, holding out hope that well, she's somehow... I think it goes two ways. Mm-hmm. If they have enough footage with Carrie Fisher to, to round out episode nine, mm-hmm. and they don't feel like they need to bring her back in as, mm-hmm. like, in, in that Leia role to help... Then do you bring back Laura Dern? Right. Exactly. Maybe. It's a possibility. It is something that my boyfriend asked me about. He was like, so do they write out Carrie Fisher? And I honestly thought that when she gets put into her coma was like her write out. But no, she comes right back. Also, Still does badass shit. Leia uses the force. Like that yeah. scene. That scene might yeah. have been my favorite scene. Where it's just it's like. See, okay. And I'm going to expound on that. Because at the critic screening that I. So at the critic screening that I was at, there was like a core group of people that like loved it, adored it, saw no wrong. And I definitely have issues with it, but I actually liked. Like, I liked that scene, whereas mm-hmm. there were people within the group who didn't, like, 100% love the movie for whom that scene felt most egregious. Interesting. So, tell me what you liked about it, and then maybe we can try to figure out why people wouldn't like it. So, <laughs> like, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. I think what I really liked about that scene, like, that would have been your really convenient out. And I think, right. like, the coma, the coma as well, but, like, that's your really convenient out for... Mm-hmm. Leia's dead in space. Correct. Um, I also think it would have hammered home the internal conflict that they keep tossing back to with Ben Kylo. Correct. Because he didn't shoot his wingman shot. She's Mm -hmm. in space. If she dies, Mm -hmm. then like that conflict has some additional weight. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, I, so I love them flipping both of those things on their head a little bit. And I also Mm -hmm. really like, like we've known, we've known since empire that, Leia is force sensitive like we've known for most of the existence of Star Wars that Leia can use the force but she she never leans into that have we have we seen her connect with Luke does she feel Luke I was trying to remember this oh yes okay okay in the original franchise right mm -hmm. so she's force sensitive Mm -hmm. and she and Luke have a connection correct in this latest one that she had no idea where he was right because he had like blocked himself off entirely yeah Right. Okay. Sorry. Go on. I love seeing her take on that role, especially because I've thrown myself into a little bit more of the new canon. Mm. There's been a shift in in her backstory, like her her time in between um, Return and Force Awakens. Okay. Where in Legends in the old EU, she has this tension with Luke about becoming part of the next generation of Jedi and trying to save the Jedi Order. But in the new canon, she's very much not about that. She's like, nope, I'm going to go save lives and try and fix the galaxy. And you can go and be a Jedi and mm-hmm. figure all that out. But I'm going to try and figure out how to make this better. Better. And I really like 
in that context that she's still like, oh, by the way, I can also still do this. Like, right. not it's, only am I fixing right. the galaxy, but I can still do this thing. Right. Well, it's not like I didn't want to do your Jedi shit because I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I also could, but I saw more validity in attempting to build a democracy and a world in which every person has a voice and et cetera, et cetera. Ultimately, I feel like my main issues, like my core issues with the new films mm-hmm. are that I feel like so much of them are just swapping in new elements for old ones and not putting mm-hmm. in like enough context and backstory as needed. Like, so my two sides of that are that like, I love the Leia reveal because I think it speaks to what we know about the character and the fact that she is sensitive to the force and that of course she would want to live and to continue going. So like, I like something like that, but then on the flip side of that, like I just have like such a disinterest in Snoke. (laughs) Like I just don't care. I didn't take him seriously as a villain. And yet I feel like he is our Palpatine and the first order is our empire. And I feel like there were some elements that were just swapped in without needing to do the work for the audience because they just expect that we would accept these new characters as stand-ins for the old ones. So like my fundamental tension is I feel like the new films and especially last Jedi have done like some super awesome stuff, but there are still some elements where I'm like, ah, like I wish they'd done more to build this. Like I fundamentally don't understand what the purpose of Snoke was. <laughs> I guess I, I just, I don't, I just don't, get it so speak to me about that how did you feel about snoke how do you feel about the first order do you even feel like those things are necessary or are we really just doing like a kylo ren character study at this point and those things are secondary so i'd love to see the original cut that was like three and a half hours long because Uh, i feel like there are scenes with snoke Mm -hmm. that we lost and I think like in the same way in the same way that we got the kind of watered down, much more concise, but also much more for the audience version of Rogue One, mm-hmm. um, I feel like there were probably some really intensely dark scenes with Snoke that were more about being like, Snoke is a terrible human being or Snoke mm-hmm. is a terrible whatever. whatever. He is. Um yeah. And he has attached himself onto the First Order, but is not the thing that makes the First Order happen. Um, Right. And that's what's always been like the tension for me is that I don't feel like Snoke is the First Order. I've always assumed that he's like an outside force and there were tons of like fan theories about who he could be or whatever. But then I just feel like this movie ultimately wasn't interested in the Snoke character at all. So I don't, you're right. It felt like there was like a step one and then we went to step three and we missed out on step two. Yes. I I kind of loved coming out of the movie that in a 10 minute window, they just said, hey, all of these fan theories that you've been playing with for the last two years don't matter at all. Like, Snoke is not super important. It's really about Kylo. And Ray's parents just abandoned her on this planet because sometimes people are terrible. Yes. The Ray Ray parentage was like... I I was so happy about that. Mm-hmm. I was so happy about that <laughs> because my biggest concern coming out of Force Awakens is I was like, fuck this entire franchise if she is a Skywalker because that is some garbage ass right? storytelling. Ugh. Like that would have been 
straight up terrible. But again, if you're talking about making the force for everyone, which mm-hmm. I think is implied with the final scene. So yeah. like, let's talk about that. So like, if you're making the force about everybody, which I think Rogue One also did by having mm-hmm. the characters who like protected the temple and who weren't necessarily force sensitive, but believed in the validity of the religion and in that belief system, like if you are equalizing the possibility for force sensitivity and force power, then that does take power out of this core group of people and really this one family where Mm -hmm. this power was concentrated. So, like, what if the Skywalkers are the monarchy (laughs) and everybody else are, like, random people? But, yes, ultimately, yes, I was very pleased that they were just, like, janky nobodies and that her power came from herself. Like, Mm -hmm. that weird scene felt very Twin Peaks where she's in like the cave of mirrors. Mm -hmm. I loved that Mm -hmm. she only saw herself. So there were so many things like that where I was like, yes, these fan theories, I had no patience for them. I'm so pleased that we dispensed of them so quickly. I just still, I don't know. I guess I wanted more for Andy Serkis. Like I was kind of like, why is Andy Serkis here as Snoke if this character is meaningless? He did have an amazing robe, though. Everybody at work was yeah. talking about the robe. So I don't I don't know. But yeah, so how did you feel about the, the dismantling of the fan theories? Were you super pleased about the Ray one and then just like somewhat interested in the Snoke one? Or what did you think? So I was I was pretty into both. I love that Ray's parents like I, I thought in terms of the fan theories, it was so much more satisfying that Ray was just from wherever because yeah, I think the whole point of this film is in that power can come from anywhere and that it then becomes about when you make the choice and what the what the choice you make is not what other people see and then uh when it came to snow i kind of i kind of loved that snoke wasn't that important because he felt like a red herring for the emperor that we were just repeating palpatine and that we had a whole almost another hour of film after he was gone like we had almost another hour of movie that was just kylo trying to be like nope this is mine now and by mine i mean i'm going to just use the first order as a vendetta machine and throw my angst through this massive militarized force to just basically throwing a tantrum Mm -hmm. with like an army at his back yes yep and so that like that felt really that felt much truer to him as a character um and it also i think it also opens up some interesting things for episode nine because we're we are moving away from a true mirror structure there were a lot of parallels in the last jedi and between the last jedi and empire Mm -hmm. which i think were interesting but i i think they did a, a much better job of being like these parallels are for mirrored storytelling not to rinse and repeat the way we got in force awakens i think they took that fan criticism to heart and and also thumb their nose at it a little bit with the salt one mm-hmm. which was like which was very like i heard someone in the audience when they got to the base say oh it's hoth and then a minute later the guy licked the ground and was like oh it's salt it's like mm-hmm. thank you thank you for for just being like see it's not snow yeah. we're different 
<laughs> we did one thing super different. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And the one thing that I – there was one person in my office who saw it last night. So we kind of discussed some things this morning. And the one thing that I said that I liked is while I liked that Force Awakens basically was like a New Hope remixed, mm-hmm. I also liked that there were storytelling beats here that were very similar to Empire Strikes Back but on – not necessarily a grander scale, but on like a similar thematic wavelength Mm -hmm. without being copies. Like ultimately I feel like so much of last Jedi comes down to like the idea of betrayal, both to yourself and to others. And Mm -hmm. that ultimately is what empire strikes back is about, right? Like being betrayed, like Lando betraying Han and ultimately Luke feeling betrayed by Obi-Wan and by other people for not telling him who his father was. And then Mm -hmm. of course, like Darth feeling betrayed somewhat by the emperor in the sense of who he's become. So I liked that, that general sense of unease with yourself, and what others have done to you and the choices that other people have made about you. I liked how much that was recreated here, but you're right from like a different point of view, right? Mm -hmm. Because you get the dueling sides of Kylo's version of his childhood story and Luke's version and this sense of did Luke betray his purpose as a teacher by thinking that his student was irredeemable and then really also Ray as well because I mean what what is being abandoned by your parents than like the ultimate betrayal in that sense of like she could stew in it and be corrupted by it or she could choose a different path so I feel like there was so much this like duality of the two of them which is why I was somewhat disappointed by the fact that their weird mind meld was fully engineered by Snoke but then at the same time I was so much happier that it was engineered by somebody else because that was part of the dismantling of the like they're twins or they're siblings or or their love interests like okay first of all bruno there was sexual tension oh yeah no there was tons no maybe they are love interests you don't know well that's (laughs) actually you're right i i like the the uh i like what is it would it be kyrae is it Raylo? Is it Raylo? It's Raylo. It's, it's Raylo. So it's Raylo. I love the Raylo ship, um, mm-hmm. especially because and and let me know what you think about this. Mm-hmm. Last Jedi took the betrayal aspect of Empire and brought in complex interpersonal relationships in a way that audiences are now much more comfortable mm-hmm. taking in because you don't have a lot of really complicated interpersonal relationships. You have kind of a love triangle because you have the you have the the bridge scene at the very end of empire where Leia puts her head on Luke's shoulder after he gets mm-hmm. his new arm. Mm-hmm. But here... which could be affection or romance. I mean, I think right. that's one of those things that you could read either way without the hindsight of what happens in return. Absolutely. Yeah. I think this in, in, in last Jedi though, you have this, you have tension everywhere. Like you have what's mm-hmm. going on with Finn. You have mm-hmm. like this, you have the ongoing tension, which is probably me just reading into it between Finn and Poe. You have, mm-hmm. you have Finn and Ray. Like you have mm-hmm. all of these different interpersonal undefines pulling in different directions and, mm-hmm. and no one, no one looking at them head on. Like not until the very end, not like not, in, you get that one Ray looking over and checking in on oh i'm totally spacing spacing on her name rose um, rose thank you uh, mm-hmm. on finn and rose and being like how do i feel about this right 
But other than that, it's these really separate things where it's just like, man, life is complicated and messy. Mm hmm. Which, I agree. Yeah. Completely. And I also think it's one of those things where it's like clearly like clearly a very specific part of the culture wants Finn and Poe. And I'm sure there's also a mm-hmm. specific part that wants Finn and Rose because like at the screening that I was at, we t- some people talked afterward about how it kind of came out of nowhere, but it was nice to see it appear because so many people i think also at least i personally would be fine with like finn and ray just being almost like a surrogate sibling relationship like luke and leia so it's like you have all these relationships that could go either way they've Mm -hmm. set them up so that they could progress into something more or they could stay as they are which is friends comrades allies Mm -hmm. and people who are learning from each other as well because i really liked on the like gambling fake macau planet that it felt like finn who previously has been the source of all this first order related knowledge is now learning about other parts of the galaxy and other people who were commodified just as he was Mm -hmm. so to see like the child workers to hear rose's story is to again think about all the different ways that this like oppressive system manifests itself not just in like the military way but also in that way of like mining and consumption and just all these things that are part of keeping the first order running that are also undermining the individuality of people across the galaxy so i liked that that then became finn learning something from rose as opposed to finn being the source of all this knowledge so yes there was just there was a lot there was so much i wish there had been more benicio del toro i will be honest with you yeah i needed more benicio like a lot more because like uh, a whole movie (laughs) uh, the character the character is so interesting and especially like there were some like the stutter yeah like i felt like the stutter only showed up for like the first part of his like I wanted no, so much. No, he can't. No, the stutter came back. The stutter was consistent because the stutter also shows up at the end. And I don't yes. remember who it was, but bless the person on Twitter who said that it felt like Benicio was doing a Tom Waits impression. <laughs> that made me laugh for a very mm-hmm. long time. But at the same time, like as much as I can say, like, I wanted more Benicio. The reality was like, I loved Boba Fett. Like from the first movies because he was only in those movies for like 10 minutes total mm-hmm. and it added to the mystique and then i felt like he was over explained then with the prequels so it's like as much right. as i want like more of these characters i also do like there being just ancillary badasses that show up every so often yeah. Because that's right. Because you know that's like it's not part of the core but you want like an expanded series of people who are just as interesting but yeah i could i mean maybe just like a little more benicio like 10 more minutes i really want the extended cut yeah. i don't often really like not even the three and a half hour cut but like the cut where it's like we had to cut this for time because we we had to get to the base and we had to but like i really want the scene of him and bb8 stealing the ship because you know yeah. they shot that and you know that was funny mm-hmm. and i agree it's out there somewhere but but there's there have been so many movies this mo- this year where I want the extended cut. I mm-hmm. mean like I really want the Blade Runner 2049 like mm-hmm. four hour cut. Like mm-hmm. where is that? Why can't I get that? <laughs> it's just terrible. Because I think with Rogue One, like I think the sad reality is that so much of Rogue One 
was reshot. So if they released like the original three and a half hour version or whatever, it's literally an entirely different movie, like a completely different narrative. I mean, it's a war movie. He talked openly before Disney like crushed his vision that it was going to be like a guerrilla war, Vietnam war style war movie. And I remember hearing that and being like, that sounds awesome. And then a month later thinking like, Disney's never going to allow that to get made. And of course they didn't, which is why the Disney Fox deal is now so terrifying because there's no way in hell that Disney would allow a movie like Logan to be made. Like there's no way. I don't know that that's true. And the only reason I say that is because we just got the, well, the only reason I say that is because they just put out the release about Deadpool and potentially opening up like a Disney, like a, a Marvel R studio that is built around that. Sure, but I feel like, but I feel like the Deadpool, like I feel like Deadpool being rated R is rated R for different reasons than Logan Mm. was rated R. Yes, yeah, you know, like Deadpool was like gimmicky humor and like a lot of cursing and Ryan Reynolds being cheeky, but ultimately, like I honestly can't remember much much of what happened in Deadpool from like Mm -hmm. a narrative point of view, whereas Logan was very much like a Western. I mean, as we talked about last time we talked like a Western that is dealing with contemporary social issues like illegal immigration and cloning and Mm -hmm. like agriculture business. So like it's in that way that I'm not sure that a movie like Logan could get made, not just because of its R rating, but because actually what it's thematic content was so it's like i just think any merger where one company is controlling 40 mm-hmm. percent of the market share is fucking terrifying i think that's the part that scares me more is like the yeah. it's, it's not it's it's that disney is now back to being the scary behemoth that disney was mm-hmm. in the mid 20th century yeah. um going back to the uh the weird uh space casino yes um part of what made that really Part of what made that scene really hit home is when we get to the distress beacon and mm-hmm. no one calls back. Like we have mm-hmm. this whole narrative arc in the middle of the film around the first order is oppressive to everyone. Like mm-hmm. it, it is it is the machine that causes oppression in the galaxy, mm-hmm. whether it's military or economic. It's It's the thing that's putting people down. And to have this beacon go out, to have this like last final hope that someone will respond even having established that the universe is in distress right and then having no one respond like that was the most crushing there were a lot of crushing Mm -hmm. moments in this film that one really hit in Mm -hmm. in a way that felt very relevant today but also in a way that was just like what do you do with oppression that's so broad sweeping that yeah no one feels capable of standing up when someone asks for help Right. In that oppression that feels infinite and mm-hmm. powerless to fight against. And yeah. it's funny, too, because, like, it's interesting to me to think about how how did the resistance ultimately fight and how did they get their resources? And I think there's what there's like a throwaway line where somebody mentions that, like, the people who are gambling provided weapons to both sides am mm-hmm. i remembering that correctly that's, that's on the ship del toro pulls up like first order first order first order and then it's mm-hmm. like one of the po- like pose x-wing um mm-hmm. in the in the 3d schematics yeah so it's that sense of like okay so there are people who are providing weapons to both sides and it's like to what end like what is you know like what is 
the natural end of this story because if you want both sides to keep fighting if you are those people who are on the gambling planet like and again this is relevant to our world today but it's like at what cost what becomes enough for you when mm-hmm. people are dying <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i feel like that I feel like that aside and that side mission was one of the best we've seen in the Star Wars universe. I also really loved Forrest Whitaker's hideout in Rogue One, but this one yes. also felt very thematically appropriate. Yeah. But yeah. Oof. So I think the one thing I want to toss in, even with all of the heaviness, it felt really balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, like I the think opening- it felt really balanced but i didn't love the pacing but i'm sorry go on no no no. please i'd love to hear more about where you felt like the pacing fell fell through i I think just my issue with it was it felt like i guess because it felt to me like a chase movie it just felt (laughs) like it just felt a little bit jarring at each step of the way because it kind of felt like okay so we're gonna do this one thing and then the one thing is done but like oh shit the next thing's about to happen like and i think that also might just be how the film is structured with how often it jumps between storylines but it felt very much to me like the poe finn rose storyline suffered from the like we're in one location for five minutes and then we're going to another location for five minutes and then we return for five minutes and it just felt that part of it felt very sporadic for me and then of course like things kind of even out with that last stand really on like the salt planet because then everybody at that point comes together but i just felt like up until then it just felt something about the storytelling pacing of that felt off for me but how did you feel about it did you like how often they were cutting between storylines or what were your thoughts so i didn't and i thought Mm -hmm. but i but i think that part of the problem is my takeaway is they felt the need to keep a very linear structure Mm -hmm. in the timeline yeah they didn't want to they didn't want to have time dashes and i think part of the reason they had to do that is because snoke managed to contrive this connection between ray and right uh and ren which mm-hmm. which then meant that they had like at certain beats in ray's timeline they had to be in the same place which meant you had to hit certain th- emotional beats for him which i agree with the with the pacing of the edit Mm-hmm. I think when when I was thinking balance, I was thinking the way they they did a good job balancing humor mm, yes, with with yes. the intensity. But even that, I think, exacerbated rather than eased the other pacing end because mm-hmm. you would you had a couple of moments where you necessarily had to do a hard swing, both in space and in tone like Mm -hmm. when yoda shows up and starts mocking luke you then have a real hard shift back into what's going on with the first order like you have you have some of like that levity was important because they were getting to some very serious space both in terms of where we are in the real world and where we are in you know star wars i was trying to find somewhere anyway star wars is the real world but where we are yeah. in the film and where we are here, everything's the real world everything's, everything's the real world. all real it's all real um, no i i don't i don't disagree because there's one thing that i remember that i think it's like is it maybe i'm remembering wrong and you can correct me but it's like 
Poe has just tried to lead the like coup against Laura Dern mm-hmm. and then like Leia shoots into the room mm-hmm. and basically like confronts him on his shit or whatever and then they're like evacuating the ship to get to another ship or something and then Laura Dern says something to Leia along the lines of like he's spunky I like him and I yep. was like what <laughs> yeah yep that's that happens I was, like, I was like okay that's funny i guess but also he just tried to lead like a coup against you that could have killed hundreds of people mm-hmm. like it was one of those things where i was like okay so i i understand that this is like a throwaway line but it just it didn't fit in the same way and then something else that somebody noticed another like a friend of mine that saw star wars with me on monday is when laura dern says and this is like super nitpicky but when laura dern says godspeed rebels we turned to each other and we were like this is a universe that doesn't have a god so why would that be a colloquial phrase that anybody would use so the film answer is it wouldn't and we're lazy you know there's a big Star Wars answer that has sure. nothing to do with the films and it makes no sense in context of the films. It's like, why are you not sure. saying, you know, force be with you? May Rebels? the force like, be with you. Yeah. 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 That was weird to me. And and sorry, that's like one of the, like the little things that drives me crazy, mm-hmm. but it's one of those lines where I'm like, this doesn't make sense yep. to anyone. Nope. <laughs> it was. This serves zero purpose within the context of this movie so weird so strange and i think the whole so the whole opening scene with poe yeah how'd you feel about that i laughed i laughed but it's a really major hard. tonal shift yeah it makes no sense like here's the thing right. i thought it was really funny it was a really good way to open it was very true to his character in some ways it undermines hux in a way that has already been established in the previous film that he's yes. kind of like a suck up sycophant like mm-hmm. right yeah but, but. <laughs> it then makes the fact that we lose all of the bombers 10 minutes later and mm-hmm. Leia is then like, the fuck did you yeah. just do? Like, I told right. you to come home. There's a reason, like, right. there's a reason I run this. And also then, and also then makes the demotion feel way less. Like, mm-hmm. I guess we see this in, in Poe later on in the film, but like him getting demoted feels way less weighty because it's like, Oh, you goofball! You're back down right. to captain, you as opposed to like schmuck. Yeah, you fucking asshole! You know how many people died? Yeah, my ultimate feeling is that I feel like for a movie that is so focused on losses, there is very little grief, and I feel like that goes against what they also want us to believe about who Leia is as a leader. Mm-hmm. It's like over the course of this movie, which is what like a. F- few day what do you think the course of this movie is that's a good question what do you think the time span of this movie is a week two weeks so here's here's my head canon timeline okay so we come in like a week maybe two after chewy and ray have left the base um okay and that but so then we go back in time to their storyline we go back in time to the beginning of their storyline because there's a at least a week of like the hero's journey going and waiting outside of the door of the teacher. Like Correct. There, that doesn't happen like that happens over the course of days. And then we have three days of lessons. Like once we're there, it's three days. And so mm-hmm. I think that the actual chase that that we watch them go through that we watch uh 
the resistance have with the first order is three days i think that's like a three day that that running away from them and bombing and all that is a three like from the beginning of the of the film until they get to the planet is like a three-day thing right because i think at some point they say that they only have what like 18 hours left of fuel yep is when is when poe that's when that 18 hours is when uh flynn and rose go to the casino planet Okay, so it's basically like two weeks of one storyline and like three days of another storyline. And right. somehow they sync up. Which I think tracks because we see the first cut in with Kylo at the very beginning of the like, we're just going to power away rather okay. than jump to light speed. Okay. I think that's like right after Ray's first like force encounter with Luke. I think so. So that kind of like... I can see that fitting like that kind of works. Right. But so then like so then to take that point, if mm-hmm. it is three days or whatever, Leia's lost what? Like 90 <laughs> percent, like 90 percent of the resistance yeah. in three days. And nobody is like, hey, Poe, maybe you actually shouldn't be involved in the resistance because nearly everyone's dead. Like yeah. I, it just. Yeah, I agree with you. It just felt as much as I enjoyed the jokes and I laughed and I liked that there was some levity. It did at the end kind of feel like we felt more grief for Luke, which is, of I mean, of course, like we would. It's Luke, like obviously. But it also just felt like there wasn't enough reflection from the resistance on their seriously heavy losses like did you feel like the movie did enough to drive home that like the salt planet could have been their last stand no not at all okay and i, I think, agree and i think that and just to quickly go back to the to to grieving luke i think that of all of the death moments in this film about dying mm-hmm it's the least grievable. Like the whole, they, the dialogue is about this isn't a grief moment. Like he, right. he's one with the force. He left in peace. Right. This is what it is to like. This is what it is to move on. Mm-hmm. He's given up. He, like he, he's found balance within himself. Let's go yeah. and do that. He literally gave all of himself for this. I don't think they made it nearly clear enough that this was last standy. I can let pass Leia not being like self-flagellating mm-hmm. um, just because like Leia has two speeds cold calculating politician and leader and mm-hmm. very emotionally tuned in person who is like m- very much committed to preserving the people who she's responsible for mm-hmm. um, so I can I can see the no, Leia's holding it together right now because she's she literally to. yeah she has to she's yeah. the anchor she's holding everyone together and if she falls apart they fall apart mm-hmm but at the same time, like, we don't get a speech from, like, we get Poe's speech about, like, Luke just, you know, gave himself up and, you know, he's giving us a chance to escape. But we don't get the speech from Leia saying, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, this is our last stand. We mm-hmm. get the, oh, no, they have a cannon that's like mm-hmm. a Death Star weapon. And I guess we're dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I felt like the storytelling felt storytelling to me in a lot of ways it felt more goal oriented like mm. we're getting to this macau planet we're getting back to the ship and now we're with the cannon like and now we have to escape and now we're on the millennium falcon mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like it jumped very much from place to place and i wish there had just been more time for that storyline 
to breathe a little bit and to see Leia being the leader that everyone treats her Mm -hmm. as, you know, and uh, yeah. And like, clearly, uh, you know, and that's another thing too, where it's like, how long did you want this movie to be? Because I definitely felt the length of it. I did feel like it felt like, you know, the two and a half hours that it actually was. And these scenes weren't necessarily actually the longest, but like the Kylo and Ray dialogue where we're just looking at them sensing and kind of looking at each other and then hearing their somewhat opaque conversations. Like, I feel like those took up a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So if you do have, you know, inspirational speeches, how much more time does that take up? But I, I just, I, I wish there had been something a little bit more now on the flip. I don't know if you've looked at rotten tomatoes, this movie has a 56% audience score. I just heard that. Um, and I actually, I just had an idea. Do you think that this felt like two movies that then met at the end? Because I just realized that all of the criticisms that I have around pacing mm-hmm. and, and sort of around the tonal discontinuity don't ne- apply nearly as much to everything that's happening with Luke. I agree. I completely think that it's like two, almost sometimes three different Mm -hmm. movies because then Finn and Rose break off from Poe. So yeah, there definitely are like a lot of storylines and I don't think they're all handled evenly. Right. But I also don't know if one of them should have been relegated to another film or if this is just the danger of having like having all three of your first film characters being fan favorites and then still wanting to bring back prior fan favorites, right? Because like they clearly wanted this to be a movie that was structured around Luke and Leia and the diverging paths that they chose and expanding upon the force, like putting in how many shades of gray there are. And the fact that what was interesting to me is that like the darkness doesn't necessarily feel like a choice that you make so much as something that is attempting to draw you in from the beginning because Ray from the beginning senses something dark within her and insidious. So I, they did a lot and a lot of it I liked, but man, there is a lot of it that is just not, bad but i agree with you like should it have been another movie should it have been edited down i'm not sure and i don't know what this 56 percent audience score actually reflects because i right. don't i don't i mean sorry i don't mean to sound like an asshole but i didn't see it with like regular quote-unquote people you know like i saw it with a group of critics it was a critics only screening mm-hmm. most critics were ready to love it and did love it so i didn't get the vibe of like you know, an actual theater crowd. So what was it like with the people that you saw? Did you feel criticism from the crowd or did you feel like everybody was loving it? So I think uh, caveat on my end, I think I also saw it with a weird crowd, like 1030 mm-hmm. on the Friday, mm-hmm. like out at, I went to uh, the Udvarhazi air and space IMAX. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so out there it was like mostly white tech bros. Um mm-hmm. And, and, and like, you know, a, a very solid percentage of just hardcore nerds who were like, it's December, so let's go on Friday. Mm-hmm. In the theater during the film, it felt really good. People were laughing mm-hmm. at good beats. The 
reaction to the um, the light speed jump through Snoke's flagship was mm-hmm. awesome. In mm-hmm. terms of like visuals, that might have been the strongest scene, mm-hmm. just because you have this really beautiful, suddenly silent um, visual of this blade of light cutting through these ships and it's very yeah. it, it feels very that felt last stand like mm-hmm. that felt the way i i wanted the climax of the action to feel mm-hmm. um and so and everybody walking out of the theater like seemed relatively pleased and happy i i have a feeling that the rotten tomatoes score will will flip at least a little bit more positive once see and that's interesting because i've actually watched it drop throughout the day this morning it was at like this morning it was at like 65 so huh. i don't i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know what people wouldn't respond to so i i'm interested in what's what's actually going to shake out with that like I don't know what they could have objected to. I have a lot of questions. I have so many questions. <laughs> I mean, I, I wonder. I do you think that? Do you think that people wanted? I know that I didn't want Snoke to be more important necessarily, or like I didn't I... want Snoke to be a an important character from our past, and I I didn't necessarily want Ray's parents to be important. I think but... people wanted Ray's parents to be important. I, I think that was a fan theory that a lot of people were tied to. So I could very well see them having responded negatively to that because I don't, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm not sure what else. The only other thing I could think, and I think this is giving like idiots too much credit, but I wonder if it is like a concerted, like this movie's too liberal. Let's trash its Rotten tomato score. Bleh, I mean, that, might be, that might be but maybe. a part of it. Yeah, um, it's possible. But it is also it it was scattered. Like it was it was you know, it wasn't tight the way you th- I think the way I think of a Star Wars movie being like mm-hmm. a good Star Wars being tight. Mhm. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see how it shakes out. But yes. Luke. Yes. Let's do tell, it. Let's okay, do it. Please tell me. Start just <sighs> Luke at me. I just I I just love him, I guess. <laughs> His brooding game is so Oh strong. my god. That hair, I Ugh. mean the beard, him parkouring from rock to rock and like spearing fish at the same time. The weird power move of like milking that animal that didn't give a fuck and just so like good. drinking the milk in front of Ray. It was that really, was really, really so good. Disgusting. <laughs> in my review because i reviewed it for chesapeake family i almost felt like putting weird animal milking sequence in my like things that parents <laughs> should know but i was like no it was just weird it wasn't like sexual or like Mm-mm. disgusting it was just weird but yeah like he i you know okay let me let me try to be organized i really enjoyed mark hamill's return i feel like he is like he is luke to me like that regret and self-hatred and disillusionment Mm -hmm. all of that felt very real and going back to that sense of betrayal i think luke knew from the beginning that he had fucked up as a teacher and on a deep personal level and he reacted to that with fear which is so outside of what we expect Mm -hmm. our jedi heroes to be right so for him to own up to that in that conversation with yoda and to acknowledge that there's so much that he doesn't know and that maybe he doesn't want to know 
Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that meant a lot to me personally. Yeah. And honestly, like at the end, when he comes to Leia and he rests his forehead on hers, I... <sighs> It was that so good. to me because that to me is like think about everyone that they have lost up until this point they lost years ago they lost obi-wan they lost their mother they lost a chance at redemption for their father they've lost han at this point kylo seems completely irredeemable like everyone that they have loved is gone mm-hmm. and that see and that's like the gravitas and the heaviness that i wanted from leia when she looked upon the shrunken size of the resistance and as like and as a general i understand that like that didn't fit in necessarily with her storyline but seeing it with luke seeing it with luke man Mm -hmm. that that hit home that hit home for me in in the his like first exchange with like who are you with ray when he finally hits like why are you here like i was just like holy shit mark hamill (laughs) oh like, my god yeah just yeah, like he's like he's like you're nothing like why are you here like i get that they want me back but why you oh my god it was just so yes. like yes but then also when he has her like feeling the force or whatever mm-hmm. and obviously it was a line that you that was used in the trailers but when he was like i wasn't afraid then i'm afraid now i was like yes you should be Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, all of his line readings were perfect. <sighs> yeah. He is amazing. He is, he I is the best. <sighs> he is the best. Yeah, I don't even like I don't even have coherent things like to say about Luke. Aside from the fact that I again, I was very pleased that he was not her father mm-hmm. or not her uncle. I liked that he fulfilled an actual teacherly role and even then he wasn't willing to support every idea she had which Mm -hmm. i think was the correct choice i loved when he said this isn't gonna end like how you think it's gonna end because i don't want ray to have all the answers and i don't want kylo to have all the answers either like that shouldn't be who they are at this point in their relationship with the force so when kylo offers to her that they could like rule the galaxy together or whatever it's like of course the answer is no (laughs) (laughs) like luke just showed ray so much that she doesn't know Mm -hmm. yet about the universe and it's like dude like come on she's not gonna choose you be real be real right now so yeah i i want to live on that island with him (sighs) until the end of time i just want him to i just want him to be my best friend um, I just want Mark Hamill to come hang out. Mark hey. Hamill, come hang out with me. Right. <laughs> um, I would be one of those like animal nuns taking care of the island. <laughs> I really want to see an undercover bosses like so. They did the <laughs> undercover bosses parody with Kylo on Starkiller. I would love to see. I would love to see Luke and Ray and the Frog Nuns. Yeah, that would be those hilarious. Poor nuns. Those poor nuns. <laughs> so they just destroyed everything. Ray is just coming up here with her capris and her bad attitude, <laughs> ruining all of their work. <laughs> I loved them. Uh, I loved their disapproving glances whenever she fucked something up. It was yep. great. It was so good. Uh, but yes, ultimately, the Ray Luke storyline clearly, at least for me, was the most well done. And again, we go back to the mirroring of Luke and Yoda and mm-hmm. this sense of like, 
and I think Yoda Yoda says this to Luke, right? Like when he returns, is like we see them become more than we were or mm. more than we expected. I mean, he has some kind of line. I think that it's more speaks. than us. Or yeah. they move past us, something. Yeah, yeah and that's like so. I, I feel like that is the entire point of this, right? Like the things that you expect about the force and where it comes from and how it manifests, they're not what you think, and they're not what they seem, and they expand further and farther and more meaningfully than you would think. And I think that is what leads us into that final scene where you have the fact that these characters are myths and they are lore and they are legend, but they mean everything to these children who you could argue are like the most dispossessed in the galaxy, right? Clearly like stolen from their homes, sold into slavery, mm-hmm. <laughs> subjugated, commodified. I mean, forced to work somewhere that is literally the exact opposite of everything of their identity and yet you have this kid Mm -hmm. and he reaches for the broom and the broom comes to him and so luke isn't the last jedi and i think to seem to assume that he is is like the exact kind of like self-importance and selfishness that we see kylo pursuing and that ray is rejecting and Mm -hmm. so I, i felt like that was very much like the best way for the story to come full circle is it's always about what is the next step yeah and and i think that's leia does a really good job of codifying that in the like you know as someone living in this country in this time you have ray looking around and looking at what she's holding in her hands this broken lightsaber and she looks at leia and is just like how do we like what do we do how do Mm -hmm. we start this thing like Mm -hmm. how do we keep fighting a fight when we don't have tools and leia just looks around and is like we have everything we need like we're here yeah it's yeah. us we yeah. are the, we are the thing um yep and i and i think luke lives that right i mean luke up until that point had been very cynical in this sense that i mean he shut the force out of his life like he wanted nothing to do with it any longer and so then for his final act ultimately i think i think you're right in that we're not meant to like grieve the loss of luke but ultimately like he gives fully of himself Mm -hmm. i mean he sacrifices literally his own life to save that of others in a way that unlike poe doesn't cost them so much and so it's like i think you're also seeing the journey of luke as well to realize that like he might not have gone over to the dark side by rejecting the force but he has become apathetic and disinterested in a way that might be more dangerous right so yeah man i yeah so good the one thing i was thinking about with luke and ray when it comes to parents Mm -hmm. luke is so terrified of becoming his father correct like still in in all of the talk about like he can redeem his father it's because he doesn't want to turn into that so he has to believe that he can save it and the depth of the grief around Mm -hmm like almost killing Ben. Yeah. Like how much how much must he have felt the reverberation back to like the stories he had heard he heard about Anakin Skywalker yeah. on the day of Order 66. Like how much like right. how much of him is like oh, I'm still that. Like right. I'm I could still turn into my father and right. and in doing this maybe Ben will turn into my father. Like what have I mm-hmm. done? And mm-hmm. that Ray not having that relationship with her parents, like Ray's kind of tabula rasa 
when it comes to the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Like she's not a blank person, but she doesn't come with any of the baggage that we've seen in perspective characters in Jedi roles up until this point. Like she's just, she came into this thing and this thing has been in her, her entire life. And she knows that she knows that it's going to express itself. So all she's looking right. for is a little bit of steering. And the question as well of like, which one of them is worthy? Like, Kylo has this familial legacy of extreme destruction mm-hmm. and extreme hope. And he is coming from it from this part of like Snoke clearly wanting him to be the next Anakin and almost in a way mocking him for performing that, but not actually living it. Yeah. Whereas then you have the fact that you have Luke and Leia both thinking that like he is lost and that he is irredeemable and it only is Ray who's somebody who doesn't have this idea of the force is all dark or all light who thinks that there can be shades of gray who does think that he just needs prodding to the other side. Now I think it'll be very interesting to see what actually happens with Kylo because at this point I think we've pretty much laid clear that Ray is not going to turn, right? I mean I I don't think it's possible. I think if she right. was going to, it would have happened in this movie. And that would have been honestly something I also would have watched because mm-hmm. I think that would have been crazy. But I think it's pretty safe to assume that like her path will be continuing to move forward on the light side. But like what does happen to Kylo? I mean, I don't I, I, I don't know. Do you think we've left the story beats of the original trilogy sufficiently that we don't have a roadmap for what nine will look like? Yes and no. I mean, I hmm. I think that for the new characters, yes. Because I don't know what the step forward for Finn would be. It feels like so much of his storyline at this point is done because his primary antagonist was Phasma. And with her death, it's like, I don't know where Finn goes. And the same way as with Rose. Like, if she spends the next movie in a coma, that would be extremely frustrating because she was a great character and she should come back. Mm-hmm. But with Kylo, it's like at this point, unlike Luke, who was looking to redeem his father, Kylo at this point has become what Darth never became. He is the leader. He has fully assumed theoretically the evil of his lineage. But I think there has to be some redemption. And I just say that as somebody who knows these movies, because I don't I just don't know how this story exists without that. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like, and so I don't know where it goes, but ultimately I feel like it will be something that Ray brings him. <sighs> Fuck. I don't know. I don't know if she brings him back. I don't know if she destroys him, but I do feel like at some point, I think Kylo feels remorse or at least an understanding of his actions, because I do think he was like very petty and childish with this film and I do feel like there has to be some moving forward past that, right? Like his dad mm-hmm. is dead. The person that he thought had betrayed him is dead. I don't know what they do with Leia. But if she also dies over the course of the next film and Kylo is totally alone, mm-hmm. I do think he has to look inside himself and realize how corrupt he has become and that there might be some way to at least acknowledge that i don't know that's a good question i kind of thought that maybe it would kind of mimic the return of the jedi story beats but i feel like in some ways we've already reached the return of the jedi story beats so i don't know 
you know, I don't know what happens next yeah, necessarily. I felt like between Snoke dying and Luke um, mm-hmm. and, and the fight with Luke, we've we've reached the end of return without any of the resolution, you know? Correct. Yes. Um, yes. This film kind of did Empire forward and return in reverse because like mm-hmm. we killed the super weapon in the first 15 minutes and then Correct. we spent the rest of the time running away from them and then right. ended with his light- with this lightsaber battle that kind of mirrored the confrontation between Luke and Vader at the end of Empire and right. between Luke and Vader at the end of Return. So... Well, what we're not thinking about, and sorry, hate to bring this up, but we're not thinking about the story beats of the prequels, right? Oh, that is so true. I mean, we haven't. Yeah. So I kind of wonder, I mean, think about so much of the prequels. Like, I think of the prequels in the same way that I think about, like, George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones books like i feel like george lucas is a filmmaker and george r R. martin as an author are both super interested in the actual details of governance and like what does it take to like build a democracy and diplomacy and like so much of the prequels (laughs) were people in the senate just like talking to each other and i thought that was like horrendously boring to watch but i love it when Grimm does it in his game of thrones books so i wonder like if so much of the climax of this film dealt with the fact that like nobody responded to their beacon, does the third film become attempting to build a consensus across the galaxy with which to finally defeat the first order once and for all? I mean, does it expand again past our core characters to become larger stakes? I don't know, but I think that a lot of the prequels were consumed with that idea. And I wonder if that's maybe another natural progression for here, because like the elder statesman characters that we had are now pretty much gone. Yeah. So I I don't know. My dream is that somehow we get somewhere halfway between the guerrilla warfare film that Rogue One was meant to be. Mm hmm. And the A team, <laughs> <laughs> where it's Poe and Flynn and Rose and Ray mm-hmm. traveling the galaxy, putting together the team that can take right. down the First Order. See, I feel like what you're describing is Suicide Squad, and I hated that movie. Oh, so. no. That's so true. Yeah. Oh. yeah so, yeah. But no, I, I definitely agree with you in the sense of like, I think that there has to be. I think there has to be some kind of consensus building because at this point they've expanded the world enough and they mentioned enough of the other groups in this film that I, I, I feel like it's like a setup. Like I just would personally think that, but I also don't know if these are the kind of movies, like if this trilogy adapts to the guerrilla warfare of rogue one, like I, I don't think because like I feel like very little time in these movies is actually spent on planets like we saw Ray on her home planet. That was like a substantial period of time Ray on the island and then this final like sand battle. But otherwise, like we're not actually seeing 
Do you know what I mean? Like we're not actually seeing people in like environments where they seem to live. Right. So I wonder if that is something again that like the third film explores now that they have like shown the like Macau planet and like mm-hmm. some of these other corners of the galaxy that have since been abandoned since the first order took over. I mean, I think that would be interesting actually but i i don't know i don't know and i don't know if it's really like if the kylo verse ray i mean i think that's like our primary duality right i mean like right because like finn doesn't have like finn's enemy was the first order and i feel like they theoretically will fall when kylo does so i just but i feel hmm. like I, I almost feel like with finn his so Finn's Finn in this film moves past his strife with the First Order directly. So mm-hmm. his new antagonist space is Benicio del Toro. Like, oh, okay, maybe. Like, That's possible, just because yeah. Their whole exchange about like the galaxy is shit, and so you do what you can do to get to survive. Yeah, yeah. And there are some things that you don't do because they're bad, which is like true to Finn's character from the from the first time we see him on screen that's his MO like I'm not gonna kill these people because it's insane that you would ask me to do that carries through to why would you sell us out to the first order we're trying mm-hmm. to save we're, tr- we're trying to save the galaxy um, right and that sorry just to nitpick mm-hmm. that was one of those things that like was kind of weird to me when Finn gets all like who did you make a deal with and I was like isn't it isn't it completely clear who he made a like where where are there other deal makers and if there right. are other deal makers why didn't you go talk to them first right aren't you clearly captured by the bad guys right now and he <laughs> is not like, that was just one of those moments where i was like this is absurd you know the answer to this question yeah but again i mean also finn is kind of stu- i do appreciate how dumb um finn and poe are um they're so dumb they're, they're so, so dumb. dumb they're so dumb they're so they're so dumb but it's like you know it's like a well-meaning dumb but it is still kind it's still kind of dumb. it's a well-meaning dumb that gets a lot of people dead yes like, it really dead. i mean no, no i mean that's <laughs> completely true is that like they do facilitate these situations where i'm like yo people are dying because y'all made a really stupid mistake mm-hmm. yeah uh. yeah and that's and right and that's true is that like doesn't poe feel bad <laughs> don't you all feel bad about all the people who are now dead because of your stupid actions i'm starting to wonder if poe does i'm not sure if poe is (laughs) self-aware enough as a character to to really feel super bad about things and in the same way like you see poe get schooled by leia and he's just like but you have to and then you see luke get schooled by yoda and he's like ah shit um like you see like luke has this heavy moment of like so this is the mantle like this is what it was like for you when i showed up on dagobah being like teach me the ways of space wizardry and you were like correct the last time i did that literally all of us died right Right. Thanks for nothing. But yeah. please leave. Please leave my swamp home. Yeah. <laughs> right. I do agree with you that there's very it seems to be very little like reflection from Poe Dameron, which I guess is what people like about him. I yeah, I don't I don't know. But, you know, to get OK, to get back to it. Yes. So what is your final analysis? What um, is your ultimate last Jedi thought? What did you like the most? What did you dislike? Here are my three questions. Okay. Liked the most, disliked the most, most excited for the possibility of in 
the next film. I like the most. It's a big, it's a big umbrella. The emotional intelligence of Luke and Leia. Mm-hmm. I think it was really important. Like you hit both in terms of like social commentary today, but also in terms of peace and grief and how all those things play together. I think their dialogue especially was very much on point there. Disliked the most. I think that while I didn't need Snoke to be super important, he felt like, uh, he did feel like a throwaway, Mm -hmm. um, in a way that, in, in a way that was unsatisfying in the moment. And like that's, and more so upon reflection, like that's less satisfying, um, every hour that passes having left the theater. (laughs) Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat and buttoned in that. I also felt like it, like leading into excitement for the next film. We don't have a clear path forward. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have a clear path forward either, which is kind of nice. Like the, the audience and the resistance are in a similar space of like, well, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see Ray playing with the idea of, being a force user without the without the idea of Jedi. I think one of the most poignant lines about Star Wars in the film was Luke being like the like you feel that light and the Jedi don't own that. Like that's mm-hmm. hubris, that's arrogance, that's not what the force is. Mm-hmm. Um and so I, it'll be interesting to see what if Rey uses force lightning? What if like what if what if Kylo starts to like lean into the light a little bit, but keeps being the leader of the first order that, mm-hmm. that could be fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm, interesting. Okay. All right. Let me back think at about, you. Let me think about mine. Um, ultimately I feel like my favorite thing, if we're like putting aside the like insane fight between Kylo and Ray and the red guard, which was like, sheer perfection (laughs) like that was amazing it was really really i loved it it was really really good yeah if we're putting aside just the pure visual spectacle of that yes i would say that sense of luke and leia being characters who have actually lived full lives and of course it's like of course they have the benefit of that we've known them for like 40 years but just the weight of it i feel like Mm -hmm. they carry their experiences and their performances and there is a knowledge and a sadness i think to both of them that lends this movie actual heft because like the visuals are amazing they're great the fight scenes are great like but i truly like i truly cared about that sense of luke knowing where he had fucked up and made a mistake and the repercussions of that for a generation and i that really meant a lot to me um worst i don't want to copy yours even though i do agree that Mm -hmm. i thought snoke was the worst i i would also just say what we have been talking about the fact that the film felt with the new characters very forward facing and i wish that there had just been a little bit more reflection 
from them moving forward because it's ultimately it's like these are theoretically the heroes on which they are centering this trilogy so to have a little bit more awareness and and honestly for me like a greater understanding i guess of what the resistance wants because again it's like i think that we accept that the resistance wants what the rebels wanted and that's fine but to not have any distinction here and then to also have heroes who kind of feel like they're just winging it Mm -hmm. (laughs) something about that just kind of tonally rubbed me the wrong way and then yeah like for the next film ultimately for me i think it comes back to kylo and ren and it's funny like the critics that i saw it with a lot of them like sincerely hate kylo like a lot (laughs) and, and think that he is like the poutiest I saw a meme of this today that like Kylo Ren is like the assistant manager at your local hot topic, just like whiny and self-involved and pouty and all these like terms we use to mock youth. Mm. And I agree with that, but I also feel like the reality is like these films move forward. The character has to move forward. So I agree with you and that I'm interested in what he does next and what Ray does next and what, do their actions continue to tell us about the force and how it works and how it manifests? Cause I feel like there's a very subtle like class discussion being made about Kylo Ren yeah. and Ray and this sense of like one has been given everything and has willingly chosen to burn it to the ground. And the other came from nothing and is right. interested in building a world that seems more equitable with no moral compass aside from her own hardship. And so I am fascinated by how they want to bring those two ideas together. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's probably what interests me the most, but is it Abrams? Is it Abrams doing nine again? Yeah. And I'm, mm. yeah, that makes me nervous. Um, Cause he's, he loves his lens flares and his and, oh my god and his flashy flashy and <sighs> yeah I, I just don't think like the to close this out we've established like the 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 momentum we have is weighty mm-hmm. and has a little bit more intellectual and emotional uh heaviness to it sure um and i don't think that he's incapable of doing that i just don't feel like I don't feel like The Force Awakens did that with as much of a subtle hand as The Last Jedi did. I don't disagree with you, but I think also The Force Awakens didn't need to. That's fair. Right? Like if The Force Awakens if The Force Awakens is just a retread of the last or the first hope, like which is very clearly what they wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much he could actually accomplish within that like I'm just thinking about like the Disney franchise framework. For sure, like, for sure, for sure. You know, like I don't think that he could have done that. And that's why something like Rogue One, right, stands so effectively alone because it is a completely tangential story. And that's theoretically like the interest of the Han Solo spinoff in the same way is that like mm-hmm. if it's a self-contained adventure, then there's so much possibility available in that. But I also do agree with you that I don't – I think J.J. Abrams, when he is doing his Steven Spielberg thing, can be very sentimental and nostalgic, and there is value in that. I just don't know if that value is in the conclusion of a Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 
we'll see, see I guess. In a couple years, yeah. Right. We sure will. Always a good time, man. Yeah. Thanks so Always much for hopping chat. on. Of course. Um, and, you know, assuming this thing is still happening in <laughs> two years, let's do it again <laughs> for the next one. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> That's our episode. Hope you enjoyed it. You can find out more about Roxana at applyingtoeverything.xyz slash guests. Check out her review of Star Wars The Last Jedi at chesapeakefamily.com and follow her on Twitter at Roxana underscore Hadadi. You can also find her work at podjib.com slash staff slash Roxana and at roxanahadadi.com. You can find out more about the show at applyingtoeverything.xyz. We're on iTunes and Google Play, where you can subscribe to, rate, and review the show. Thanks to Humblefire for the use of our theme song, Mount St. Misery, off of The Great Resolve. Available on iTunes, Spotify, and at humblefire.band. I'd also like to thank Chiara Scaricella for designing our logo. We'll be taking a break over the holidays and into the new year, but don't worry. We'll be back in January with more guests, goofs, and good conversations. Talk to you then. Happy holidays, and as always, may the Force be with you.